0: progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law
1: and welcome to another edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider episode 11 and wouldn't you know it great news for Steve Loren Steve you never have to take another Damon Payne question man how about that
2: I I actually still think that they're not going to stop somehow (laughs) um I I don't I don't anticipate maybe not as often um but you know I still get uh The joke at the Dobbs and Barnett questions every once in a while. So I know when D'Antonio leaves, are Dobbs and Barnett going to transfer to Michigan? Right, Uh, type stuff. So uh, with Damon, it wasn't as bad because I think things were, you know, it was a little more clear cut as to the why and and how. uh, But yeah, no, it's uh, a great pickup for Alabama, though.
1: It is that happened uh, right before our podcast time, so uh, worthy of mention as we start episode eleven. Uh, off to a roaring start this podcast, and it's all because of you guys, our listeners, uh, the way that you are subscribing to this podcast, you're rating and reviewing it. encourage those of you who haven't subscribed, who haven't rated or reviewed this podcast to please do so, because it is what is helping make this thing really catch fire, and we really appreciate you. I know I speak for my crew when I say that. We just heard from Steve Lorenz over at the Michigan Insider. Bryce Marriage is with us as well. Bryce, how you doing? good just doing good doing great man i i look at twitter and there's a whole bunch of people wondering they want to see some of this some demonstrations some workout demonstrations some wet jump shot demonstrations i just saw that one before we came on
3: and i'm working on a lot of sports i went this week golfing so i'm working on that game of mine so you know if we want to go on the course back nine i can do whatever you guys want to do if it's Hole in one or whatever. You can do whatever.
1: Hole in one contest. So you, you're good at good at golf too. So even the even the cerebral sports. So how about this, Steve? Now Bryce is touting his golf game. Where would you kind of put your golf game, Steve?
2: So I had a good weekend. I played yesterday at a like a charity event yesterday. Played really well. Uh, I don't know what my handicap is this year because because league got all messed up with the COVID stuff, but. Um, Probably shoot about 41, 42 most rounds. So solid. I would, I'm sure I would probably whoop up on Bryce.
3: <laughs> I, I have to assume.
2: I'd hope so anyway. So, um, but no, yeah, it is a thinking man's game, though. It's a challenge every day. So, so,
1: so right yeah, you got to spend so much time just to be average at that. So it's like, man, I, I, I hack up golf courses. I don't even, you know, no false pretenses at all. I am a terrible golfer. But, Bryce, you seem to be pretty mm-hmm. good. So whenever there is an opportunity for a challenge to be issued, I like to throw it out there. Hard to get Duncan Robinson to agree to a three-point shooting contest with you, but I think we could get a we could get a foursome going, get out on, on some golf course somewhere and see how you do.
3: You guys don't want to see young Phil Mickelson out there. I'm just oh letting you know God. right now. I'm just letting you know. I'm going to tear it up and we go out there. I don't want to embarrass you. Maybe we can do like checkers or something more, you know, more easier for you guys. I
1: got you. Well, hey, you know what? Recruiting can sometimes be that sort of strategic kind of play from school to school. Uh, and that's kind of how I'm struck with this Andro Anthony Development For those that don't know, the number one receiver in the state of Michigan is closing in on a decision. And he suddenly popped up on Michigan's campus for a dead period visit Sunday and got a lot of fans excited about his presence. He has been engaging many Michigan commitments on Twitter. That has certainly fired up the fan base as well. But Steve, I, I can't. I have a crystal ball in for Michigan State. I've had it for a little while now, and nothing that I've seen here over the past few days or weeks made me change that crystal ball, or even think about changing that crystal ball. I got to see a lot more before I'm convinced that this is going anywhere but Michigan State.
2: Yeah, I agree. You know, I like. I, I think the thing I think about here, you know, because I first caught wind of this last, like, early last week that there was some communication going on there. I think it was after those the commitments and I think Giles recruiting coordinator Jackson uh, <laughs> got on him, got on him about, uh, you know, tagging him on Twitter and stuff, found out he had kind of reignited the uh, communication lines with Michigan. It was more on his end than on their end. And uh, yeah, I mean the best way to say it as far as, cause I'm, I can't remember if I have one in or not, but if I did, it would be for Michigan state. I just know. I, I look at this similar to Notre Dame with Rocco Spindler, maybe not, quite the same level because I think Michigan State uh desperately, desperately needs some kind of recruiting win, whether it's over Michigan or not. Right. Uh, to to I mean it I mean it really is. So I think I think they were burned pretty bad with the virus as far as not being able to host kids and, and let Mel Tucker kind of start to sell his vision because they've they've really been they have been struggling majorly um uh, you know on the recruiting trail. I think I read that Miami's decommitment class would be ranked higher uh, than Michigan State's actual recruiting class right now. So, you know, they need something big to happen here over the summer, get some momentum building, get people talking about him again. Anthony, and East Lansing kid, kind of seems like their best shot at doing something like that. So, yeah, we'll see with the Michigan stuff. But I, I tend to agree with you, Sam. I think uh, at the end of the day, I still think this is going to be Michigan State, barring, barring a change.
1: Yeah, I, I I feel like there should be some sort of reaction to Miami's decommit class being rated high higher to Michigan State. I hadn't I had heard that one, but I, I feel like that that needs to be kind of like underlined, put in bold, and italics, right? It you know, 20, 24-5. Bryce, what do you think of Andre Anthony and and the sudden dalliance, renewed dalliance with Michigan?
3: You know, when I first heard the news of him possibly, you know, now being a real threat of or a real guy that could join this class you know I kind of looked at some of the tea leaves and I was reading them and I just in my head it just seems like a big smoke screen like Steve said it would be a huge recruiting win for Michigan State for Mel Tucker over I think his final four is Penn State Notre Dame and Michigan so if you can beat those three schools that's saying something and they just need some momentum right now and he would be definitely their top I mean, we've been saying on the podcast for a while, he'd be their Rocco Spindler, their Donovan Edwards. So they need that signature win. And it just seems that, yeah, he's talking to recruits and yeah, he's, you know, messaging fans on Twitter and all that, but it just seems to be a big smokescreen right now. And I'm sticking with my pick to Michigan State.
1: Yeah. I think that Michigan State has, and I said this on a, on one of the earlier episodes they have prioritized him sort of like Michigan has prioritized Donovan Edwards, right? Like, you know, all hands on deck, number one guy. Now I don't know their board to say that he's their number one guy. Uh, but I think that there is a clear uh, difference in the level of pursuit from Michigan State uh, with him. And that's not to say that the other schools haven't recruited him. He's a really, really talented player. Uh, I think it was Notre Dame that was recruiting him as a corner so bring some could bring some versatility to the to the table, but you've kind of seen boards fill out, and I know that's the case with with Michigan, and that's one of the reasons why I'm so skeptical. It's like the the timing of it doesn't add up. So you know now Michigan has three receivers, and the most re, the most recent guy that they got Xavier Worthy. I think people are starting to get the picture, Steve. They're starting to say, "Wait a minute, this ranking doesn't seem like it's accurate." He seems what do we say? Criminally underrated. Yeah, this uh, that recent highlight of him jumping in the air and doing a one handed grab. You know, with despite the the hard contest of a, of a defensive back, he is a special talent. So on the heels of that guy committing. That's when things get reignited with Michigan. That just that just doesn't add up to me as it being likely that Michigan is the destination. Now, would Michigan take them? I'm, I certainly believe that they would. Uh, do I think that this is one of the ones that they are throwing a bunch of eggs in that basket and expecting it to go their way? I don't, especially, and that's the thing that you hear emanating out of East Lansing, is like you try to get a feel for what other schools are saying, Notre Dame you get the feel from their guys they don't really feel like uh doesn't sound like there's either way back and forth much of a much connection there uh, like it once was and same thing with Penn State it it just gets back to Michigan State the the vibe that you get from their folks is that they are not concerned about this this dead period visit that he just took to Michigan like no beads of of sweat going down the head or back not like when we did our Rocco Spindler stuff, I mean, the, the Notre Dame folks were nervous about that one, Bryce. When we put all that stuff, it's like, oh, man, we thought this was in the bag. They don't seem to be saying that anymore. But dead period visit for Andre Anthony, Michigan State folks are like, ah, yeah, he just took a visit down to Michigan. Which you wouldn't be saying, Steve. You wouldn't be feeling that way, especially with the state of their recruiting class, unless you had reason to feel that way, right? That's how I feel anyway.
2: Yeah, 100%. I mean, yeah, the pressure is on squarely on their shoulders to win this recruitment, right? So you'd think there'd be a little more trepidation, uneasiness uh, about him being on Michigan's campus today. But, yeah, it doesn't seem like there's really been much reaction at all, to be honest with you. (laughs) I mean, I haven't seen anything. So, yeah, usually a good indication that, uh, you know, maybe they feel comfortable with where they're at right now going into this. Because, again, you see this a lot that last minute drum up, you know, of some dramatics to, to make it look like a, a big thing when a kid commits to a certain school. And uh, whether that's the case or not here, I just, I just know you you guys know when the, uh, somebody announces a date that they're going to commit. A lot of times there's like a, an event or two where, you know, it looks like the, the, the destination is, is a for sure Idea, you know who it's going to be, and then there's always a couple things that'll pop up to kind of give you that little thing of uncertainty, whether oh maybe he's going to choose somebody else, but uh, could be the case here. Either way, we we'll, you know we're going to find out when on Friday, right? Yeah. I believe he's scheduled to commit verbally on Friday afternoon. So yeah.
1: yep, so yeah, it'll it'll shoot up here uh, the answer very very quickly. Uh, probably going to be a little bit longer for another in state guy uh, who just cut down his list and some surprising omissions. Uh, at least one really surprising omission from the list of Mr. Rayshawn Benny out of Oak Park. Now, hey, hey, Steve, Michigan State made that cut. There you go. They're in on Rayshawn Benny.
2: Yeah, they had to take one of his teammates. I think they took a teammate of his, right? To, uh, they did. I think sweeten the pot probably a little bit there, but where would you guys say Michigan State is in that top eight? <laughs> I would think the, the probably the back half, right? I mean, honestly, maybe <laughs> maybe in the middle somewhere, but I wouldn't think of them as the... Eh, maybe, I don't know. We know Kentucky's there, but uh, yeah, no. <laughs> it's, hey, making the list is not the word. It's better than not making the list. Like you said, a couple of schools we thought would make it didn't make it. So,
1: right. Well, the, the thing that I think is noteworthy, at least about Michigan State here, really quickly with Ray Benny, I think that the new staff, they have done a good job of rehabbing a recruitment that was on life support. I mean, he was about to drop Michigan State when D'Antonio was there. So they actually improved as a result of the of the coaching change. But the so, you know, they they made some headway there. And Steve, as you pointed out, you know, they they have you know added a teammate of his to the mix. So that'll help. That'll maybe help their cause a little bit. But at the end of the day, I think that the biggest threat to Michigan and I'm not saying that this is in the bag, Bryce. So let's be clear. Uh there's still some major competition out there, but I just feel like the biggest threat to Michigan would have come from Ohio State and Ohio State didn't make his cut.
3: Yeah, Ohio State, I think we talked about Benny with him. Um it just they weren't sure if he was a 100% take. That's how good of a high level they're recruiting at right now for Ohio State. Iowa, I was told they had filled up. Um along the defensive line. That's where they're recruiting Rashaun Benny. So that one didn't really surprise me as much, especially with your report of him possibly not favoring um, Iowa after everything going on there. So that wasn't a shocker either. And looking at that top eight, it looks very favorable for Michigan right now. You know, I, I, I get it's tough sometimes to pick out of the top eight, but it looks really good. Michigan talk about putting eggs in a basket. They've put a lot of eggs in this basket, 6'5", again, 275. He can play both sides. I've been told they view him as a program guy. They like him along the defensive line, but he's the guy that once you get him in the program, who knows, you know, if they did have to, they could flip him to offensive line. I've seen him play offensive line in some camp settings, and he was great. So um, he'd be an excellent, you know, addition to this – class. I know Steve has brought up a great point. I agree with him too, that he might be one of the top guys left on their board in terms of needs um, addresses, an uh, in-state need, position a need, a uh, top guy from a top in-state school. So there's a lot of things there of why you would want to recruit them as hard as they are. And defensive line coach, Sean Nua has been doing a fabulous job. He's been staying in contact with him. He's built up a great rapport with not only the kid, but his mom and the mom really likes Michigan. They actually took one of those um, self-guided unofficial visits where they can't talk to the coaches and they just kind of check out the campus on their own time. And that's, again, that's a big deal compared, I think with Anthony, I don't know if that one, like we said, that's a big smoke screen, but with Benny taking that visit, I think that's more of a bigger deal. That's more noteworthy. So I think the staff's been doing a really good job. And I think a big part of this, Sean Newell.
1: Yeah, he's really connected with mom in a huge way. Uh, you know, I spoke to her recently about that dead period visit. Uh, we'll be having a a piece up on that on the site here uh, in the next day or so. Uh, but she's, she said, man, he is just one of the sweetest coaches she's connected with. And she said he's real. You know, just got a, a real, genuine connection from from both he and sharon who she said those are two coaches that really jump out of here now there are others as well others on this list you got tim banks at penn state who you guys know you're talking about a southeast michigan kid that penn state is recruiting tim banks really really resonates he's a detroiter detroit king guy and that was one of the things she said you know he's he's from here and they really connected on that level you got steve clinkscale at Kentucky that they've – that she's really connected with this, uh, you know, also. But what jumps out to me in looking at this list, so you have the great connections with more than one coach. So that's a a factor in Michigan's favor uh, because he really likes – we didn't even mention Jim Harbaugh really likes Jim Harbaugh too, the proximity of being able to make it to campus for one of those dead period visits. But then, when you look at the other schools on this list, so he has Arkansas, Arizona State, Kentucky, LSU, Michigan State, Penn State, Michigan, and Tennessee. Guys, (laughs) he's been to Michigan State. He's been to Penn State. He's been to Michigan. I don't think he's been to any other school, any of the other schools on this list. I don't think he's been to any of them. So, you know, could he commit to a school that he hasn't visited? I think it's something that they've thought about. Uh, I think that they are getting more comfortable with some of these schools via these Zoom sessions and whatnot. But I just I, I think that if if visits don't go down, the odds shoot even higher in Michigan's favor, even more in Michigan's favor because uh, as comfortable as you can get uh, remotely for a kid who has such a familiarity with a place like Michigan compared to some of these schools, I just have a hard time believing that he would choose a school that he never went to. So that's one of the things to really look for moving forward. How do you guys feel about that? By the way, do you, you know, I'm just, even if there's a season guys and, you know, I have kind of, you know, my, my level of optimism has fallen in that regard. It's not totally zero. I think there's still a, still a chance. Hopefully these numbers can start to get better when it comes to the number of cases, uh but even if there's a season, I'm just I'm really, really I'm pessimistic about the the you know, the possibility of visits in the fall. I think even if there's a season that there won't be uh visits allowed. I'm curious what you guys think about that.
2: Yeah, I mean I I, I agree. You know, there's no use at putting the kids at risk, and you know, I mean, it's, it's these kids in this cycle. It, it's always going to end up stinking for them more than it has for pretty much any other recruiting class that's ever come through. Uh, yeah, weirdly, to Michigan's, I don't benefit in the Benny situation. Be ironic when how many of their commits right live almost you know a thousand plus miles away and committed without ever having visited. You know, but in this singular instance, I know y- y- you guys have both uh, covered mom uh, seems to play a prominent role in this recruitment. And I think those are the ones where I think you're less liable to see a kid from Detroit go to Arkansas mm-hmm. or Arizona state uh, without ever having gone there, you know, within a situation where I think she's explicitly said uh, that the proximity is a, a thing that they have at least thought about and, and that could play a, a role in this situation. So, yeah, I mean, we will see. I think it'll, you know, it'll be a mixed bag. It'll cost Michigan. In some races, you know, I think Thomas Fedoni has to make it up at some point. Yep. If there's not going to be any campus visit. I think he's a guy that has to come to campus if Michigan's going to have a shot. Uh, and then we'll see what happens with the guys that they have committed that haven't visited yet either. Right? Yeah. so yeah.
1: <laughs> One of the guys that I'm sure people are going to ask about is Xavier Worthy. I mean, the excitement is on it has shot through the roof as people have learned more about him. Uh, But here's the, you know, the the real distinction between Xavier and Rayshawn Benny. Rayshawn, you know, Rayshawn has been to Michigan, what, five, six times? I don't know how many, a number of times. Uh, So, you know, it's it's different with him comparing, say, Michigan to LSU or some of the other places that he hasn't been. Uh, You know, contrast that with Xavier Worthy, who hasn't visited any of the schools. So he hasn't visited Oregon. He hasn't visited Bama. You know, so comparing a Michigan that he hasn't visited to another place that he hasn't visited, there's no advantage. You know, there's no advantage for the home schools or the closer-to-home schools in that regard. He hasn't been to any of them. So, you know, it's a little bit, not to say that you are totally safe with any of these guys, uh, but the dynamic, the dynamics at play with him not having visited are different than the dynamics of Rayshon Benny not having visited some of the schools on his list. But like you said, Steve, uh, it's something to watch with all the commits these days, as every school, it seems like, is dealing with with some kids that have, uh, you know, that are committing without, the, without taking visits.
2: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: You know, Bryce, you mentioned earlier Sean Nua and his impact on the recruiting trail, and we got a question about this over on the MichiganInsider.com. said, so what do you guys think of Sean Nua as a recruiter, kind of give us your breakdown of Sean Nua as a recruiter. And I think you already alluded to, to at least a piece of it is how well he's connected with just in the case of right Ray Sean connected with the kid and with, with his, with his mom.
3: The first thing I heard about Sean Nua from the McGregors, that was the first recruitment I really dug in and learned more about Sean Nua. That whole family, Braden. they all told me he's a family man, straight up. They said, he's the type of guy that invites you to the cookout. You put your legs together, get your dish, get a dish to go, and you feel like he's part of the family. He's just a guy that really resonates with the kids, with the high school coaches, with the parents. He's got that where he wants to help you, but at the same time, he's going to also coach you up. You know, and he's got both those sides to him. And a lot of the recruits, I mean, these relationships, it's one thing to stick with some of these relationships and they kind of fade away. You look at a guy like Quinn Somerville, you know, he went to Michigan and instantly Sean Noah picked up that recruitment and eventually won that one. So he's shown the ability that these relationships can pay off in the end. you know, and he's a guy that obviously – He can make a lot of these guys turn out and be NFL draft picks. Look at Mike Dana. You know, he came and he can actually claim that one. Some of these guys he can't claim because he just got to Michigan, but that's a big one he can claim. So he's doing a really good job. And he's showing the ability to not only recruit some of the um, territories he's familiar with, but go out some of his, you know, um, other places and recruit you know, so he's the guy that I think might become their Sharon Moore in terms of if there's a top guy, they might just throw Sean New on him because he's that dynamic in terms of personality, coaching ability and just everything he brings to the table.
1: Yeah, I uh, I first heard about Sean Newer from Larry Foote and and Foote was like, he is a great dude, not just a good dude, a great dude. They played together in Pittsburgh. Uh, I was really excited. That that Michigan had picked him up, Uh, and then as you got to talking to kids on the recruiting trail, Quentin Somerville is is obviously one that comes immediately to mind. There was some familiarity there, so some people might say, "Oh, well, that's you know, that's that's a you know a stacked deck in his favor, right?" That he he had coached with with Quentin's uh, brother at at Arizona State. He had been recruiting Quentin for years uh, before he even got to Michigan. So uh, you could say that that was one that was kind of, sort of close to maybe uh, being in the bag for him. But then when you look at what some of the coaches here in the area are saying, and we've had this big discussion for, for weeks here on the podcast for longer than that on the site, a discussion Steve loves for sure about, hey, what's going on with in-state recruiting? What's going on with this school? What's going on with that school? It, it says something to me that several coaches in southeast Michigan have called out Sean Nua as a guy that they've really connected with I'll give you case in point over at River Rouge uh coach Corey Parker over there I mean you know they've had some some guys get recruited by Michigan but you could say that that things were I think it's fair to say that things were strained there for a bit and things are a whole lot better things are I would say really really good there I mean Michigan was recruiting a a couple of their guys, Pius Ojugo, uh, was a guy that they're recruiting for for a time. Big defensive lineman that you know, we're not for the pandemic. If he could have gotten to campus and worked out, maybe he gets an offer. But he talked about how Sean Nua came in the school, sat down with them, spent time with them, and you know, what do you what, you know, is there anything that I can do? What do we need to do to to mend this fence to you know, kind of rectify any issues that that we might have and just a real genuine sort of bona fide interest in, in making things better. He even got an endorsement from guys at Belleville, surprisingly enough. Right. So that he is putting forth the effort from a relationship building standpoint that is resonating with, with coaches and in places where maybe things have been strained before that ought to tell you, all you need to know about the kind of personality that he has on the recruiting trail. And then maybe Ray Sean Benny will wind up being uh, the the one that that gets him the kind of attention that I think his recruiting prowess uh, deserves. I know the proof will be in the pudding. So they say, well, show me first. I think Ray Sean Benny, you know, if Michigan lands him, you'll be able to point to, to Sean Nua and his ability to really, really connect with the kid one of the things that Rayshawn said, you know, he's the kind of coach that his players told me. He'll show you how to do it. If you can't do it, he'll talk you through it and have you do it again. He's not not like some of these other coaches that will just, you know, browbeat you to death and try to get you to learn that way. And so he got that that vouching from the guys on the team that he just started coaching. To your point, Bryce, uh, and that goes a long way. So I think Sean Nua... Uh, you know, again, I understand the proof has to be in the pudding. You want to see some more guys. Quentin Somerville is, is is the first. I don't think he'll be the last, Steve. I think he's going to be another one of those guys that we point to on the staff and say, hey, man, that guy is a real recruiting asset for Michigan.
2: So youth, energy, and effort. You know, I think those are three of the things that Michigan's best recruiters on staff have. You talk about more. I think Jay Harbaugh underrated in that aspect kind of you know has all three of those things Nua is the same i think it's always energy is kind of one of the common factors I actually just was while we were talking went back and looked at some old older stories on just some of the guys that you, you ask them ask about you know which coaches recruit you what do you like about them and stuff energy seems to kind of be the the consistent thing that you hear about Nua. uh you know the young the kids love uh, young coaches that have energy passion for the game but also michigan and and this is one of those things where You know, yeah, at every school, you you assume the coaches are being like what they say is like genuine and real. But that seems to really be a thing that Harbaugh puts an emphasis on when trying to like when bringing in, you know, hiring a young assistant coach on the staff, because the young assistants are always going to be guys that you're assuming are going to be a plus on the recruiting trail. And one of the things that feels like Harbaugh really puts an emphasis on is finding these guys that actually connect with the kids and the families uh, as people and not just as football players. And, and Nua seems to be, you know, right along the same lines Like you talk about Sharon Moore, Chris Partridge was amazing at connecting with families and kids on, a, on a regular level and not just at a football level, you know, and, and like I said, Jay Harbaugh the same way. So I think Nua is right, al- you know, right on that same path and and just really, yeah, you got to remember, I, I actually, so looking back, I was mean, pretty clear that Braden McGregor was, a heavy Michigan guy Um, either way, but still to get thrown in the middle of a recruitment like that for a guy that, you know, was near the top of Michigan's board, regardless of position to, to kind of come in and seamlessly, you know, transist away from Greg Madison, who was, you know, a big asset for Michigan in that recruiting. I mean, he really liked Greg Madison, you know, uh, early on in his recruitment Uh, to kind of come in and take that torch or, or keep it going. Uh, after Madison's departure and and kind of seal the deal there, I think is is you know it's about as good a start as you can ask for, and you know he's gotten and he's you know Quentin Somerville had there's the connection there, but I agree with you saying that uh, getting Benny would kind of be that first you know because there was the Somerville connection right mm-hmm. with his brother uh, a lot of ties some ties there he they were familiar with each other at Arizona State uh, Benny would be a nice like national level. I know he's an in-state guy, but they haven't really done well at Oak Park lately. Uh, so, you know, for, that'd be a really, I think, his best recruiting win so far. If they if they can pull that one out, would be a really indicative of uh, what kind of recruiter he can be for them.
1: Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned Chris Partridge, uh, a obviously a huge uh, recruiting presence lost. Uh, and you got to give this, you know, Harbaugh credit. You got to give the staff credit for really being able to. Add new guys to the equation to the point where you know they haven't missed a beat in recruiting overall. You felt like though that they might suffer in the, in the Northeast, specifically in Jersey. Like, oh man, you lose CP and and Campy. It's you're probably not going to be able to go in there and be as be as you know present, be as good with guys in the Garden State as you were before. Uh, maybe the guy that you you pointed to in that 22 class that they would fall off the most uh, precipitously with Bryce would have been Jaden Gould. And that hasn't been the case at all.
3: No, he, uh, so he's a really interesting uh, situation with his recruitment. So he became a top priority from Michigan when he first took a visit in March of 2019. So that was the very first visit and he left with a scholarship in hand. So he got that. He came back from Michigan's barbecue, really enjoyed that experience. And then he followed that up with a visit to a game for the Michigan Ohio state game this past fall. So he took three visits, but like you said, he lost his two main, you know, two main recruiters. So at that point it left him thinking, well, where, where do I sit with Michigan? Does Michigan still like me? Am I still a guy for them? And a guy that we don't talk about probably maybe a lot, but he probably deserves some more credit is Zordich, Michael Zordich, the defensive backs coach at Michigan, who's, I mean, in terms of coaching, there's he gets no a question. Bad, he gets a bad body. rap.
1: He gets, Z gets a bad rap, man. Uh, he can't be the kind of factor that some fans think he is on the recruiting trail, a, a negative factor or a zero. And you get a guy like David Long, he had a lot to do with that. And you're right, of uh, being up, uh, being present on, uh, on Jaden Gould too.
3: Yeah, so he's obviously a big part of Jane and Gold. Um, He's actually the primary main recruiter at that point. So he took over the reins. He's now leading that recruitment. And Brian Doan wrote a great story about a month ago about that, some of that communication he's had with storage. And the kid strips that out of all the schools, I've been in contact with Michigan the most he said, I've been there three times since they've offered. There's just something special about that place. I wish I could go back every single weekend if I could. Mm. So you don't usually hear that from a lot of recruits in terms of <laughs> interviews, in terms of that good of a you know quote. So that was one thing that really struck my eyes. Another thing is he's obviously got a teammate at Michigan with Jordan Morant who just got up there, and that's a guy that they held on to talking about losing your recruiters. He signed with Michigan despite losing the recruiter. So he obviously likes the new staff and he's up there. He's put in a good word for Michigan. He continues to actually, before he went up to Michigan, he was training with Jaden. So they have a really close connection. And then probably the final straw for me that made me go over the edge and put in this crystal ball pick was Michigan offered Ohio State commit Jair uh, Brown. And so when he got that offer, you know, I wasn't thinking anything of it. And I look at some of the comments and lo and behold, Jaden is replying and saying, you know, let me know if you want to talk about Michigan sort of thing. And I'm like, Hmm, that's pretty interesting. You don't usually see that from uncommitted guys. So that was a big deal. Um, Like I said, for a guy who's not committed to be saying, Hey, (laughs) if you want my perspective about Michigan, here's my line, hit me up. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, so. yeah,
1: it's, it's it definitely says a lot. I always so that led me over the edge. Yeah, I sure. always if a if a guy if a guy reaches out to me about Michigan as opposed to the other way around, that always says something to me about how how high Michigan is on that kid's list. But uh, as you were talking about Zordich, it got me to thinking, Steve, about a guy that you've been talking about a lot on the board lately. An S E a right. And, you know, he he mentioned in the recent interview with Greg Biggins about what an asset Mike Zordich is uh in in Michigan's recruitment for him. And Michigan is a is a major presence in in that recruitment. I mentioned David Long. They're trying to strike, you know, light you know, catch lightning in a bottle twice out there at Loyola High
2: School. He kind of reminds me of David Long. Like not just because they go to the same school, uh, but a kid that seems much much more of the Stanford, Notre Dame, Michigan type kid uh, over, you know, I, I don't know other schools. I guess best way to put it. So uh, still can't get over the fact that you have barely heard or read anything about the fact that he is going to be playing LeBron's kid <laughs> in Space Jam Two. I just still can't believe. Uh, you think that'd be like. There'd be multiple stories on that, uh, but there still isn't. So just a talented kid all the way around. And yeah, I mean, Zordich, you know, like you said, ran point on David Long's recruitment. There's no reason he wasn't going to do the same with Wright. That's, you know, quietly one of those recruitments where people are for some reason, always perpetually worried about cornerback recruiting. Uh, when, you know, I think they're right in this race he's in no rush to decide Uh I I assume he's hoping to get out to Michigan. I have this hunch that if this is a kid who's like going to be in a movie and he's like legitimately like, you know, not a movie star, but like, you know, big time, not a kid. I feel like would be afraid to go away from home. This seems like that type of deal. That being said, I am surprised that we haven't heard more about USC uh, just because the LA deal and with the film and all that kind of type of thing seems like the type of kid that would go to SC, but uh, really haven't heard a ton about them in this one so far. So, yeah, we'll have to see. But, but yeah, I mean, that's one of those deals where they already got Jaden McBurrows. I know, Sam, he's your sleeper of the class mm-hmm. right now. Hopefully we get to watch him play here in a m- month or two and, and see how far he's come along. And and then they're still in on a guy like Wright, who's a top 100 kid, you know, after they signed, Zordich signed two All-Americans last year in Selden and, and Green Warren where, you know, like, yeah, I agree where I think he gets a little bit of a, a bad rap. I mean, I don't get it. I mean, they've mostly gotten the guys that they've really liked. They haven't never, and even when they've dug down the board a little bit, they've pulled out a guy like Vincent Gray, who's going to probably be starting this year, you know, and, and has played ex- played extensively in his first two seasons.
1: Yeah, you know, it'll be interesting with, with Sierra Wright, because you know, while I don't think visits will take place in the fall, uh, you you got to ask yourself, okay, well, what kids are in position to maybe take dead period visits? And if the kid doesn't take a dead period visit, will he wait long enough will he wait long enough to to still be on the board if and when visits are allowed in maybe say december? That's a lot of coaches I talk to think that visits won't be allowed in the fall, games are being played, but uh you know let's say the season's over, uh get some kids on on campus. Maybe in December, maybe a few weeks in December uh, will be a window where some kids can take some some visits. That's what a lot of coaches are speculating. Not to say they have any information uh, to that effect, but just, you know, how talking like we're talking right now. You know, this, to your point, Steve, being a kid that's not in any rush, if he holds to that lack of, say, urgency when it comes to making a decision, that could play to to Michigan's benefit because, you know, all things being equal, uh, I would say, okay, uh, you know, I like Michigan's chances here if he hasn't been to any of the schools. Uh, But in this case, I think he has visited some of the schools closer to home. And I'm like you, I would be very, very nervous uh, about SC. They aren't one of the schools that he's mentioned necessarily uh, in his top five, but right there on the periphery, and you, know, you got Dante Williams there, a big-time recruiter, who just got Profit Brown. I mean, literally came out of nowhere, seemingly, to get Profit Brown. And it's one of the reasons why I said, I mean, you can't, you know, even though SC is down, you can't write him off, uh, especially if it's a defensive back where you got who I would say is one of the top recruiters in the country uh, recruiting that position for them. So, I would be leery of them. I'd be leery of some of the closer to home options. He speaks very highly of Nebraska. Uh, I'm not sure if he's been there, if he's been there yet. But the closer to home options would would uh, scare me. But if he drags it out, if he draws it out, if Michigan can get him to take maybe a dead period visit, or if he holds out long enough and visits are allowed in December, I think Michigan's chances shoot way up. But Steve, to get back to 22. Uh, Defensive back, or 22 corner recruiting specifically. I know when we were talking about uh, Jane Gould, this on the heels of us talking about a West Coast guy like Damani Jackson. We we talked about Will Johnson, a five star here in state, Michigan, on a they're off to a pretty good start at least being in good position, good shape with a lot of highly rated guys at that position in the 2022 class.
2: Yeah, Earl Little who I would argue is an uphill battle, but a kid that's talking to Michigan at least once a week, Um, you know, LSU, Miami, probably other, but I'd say Michigan probably in the top three there. So Isaac Thompson, I think probably projects to safety, but could be one of those, like, kind of the way if people remember Ryan Barnes who committed to Notre Dame, Mm -hmm. maybe one of those tweener corner safety type kids is a guy that is talking to Michigan more than almost any other school uh, Michigan just made his top 10. I would guess they're at least in the top three or four there, if not higher. Uh, actually, it was a Michigan State legacy, and the uh, uh, Spartans did not make the cut in that one. So, well, oh, you're uh, just taking all kinds of
1: <laughs> liberties. I don't usually do that. Kind of liberty I, I, Michigan I
2: State I, today. I, I, I'm not even uh, – <laughs> that makes me feel bad. i am not even trying to get on them. But it hey, is, man, it's
1: okay. Like, hey, it's I the know, truth. I know, I know. It's the truth. It's fine. <laughs> you're not lying. Know. You're not can't embellishing. Believe,
2: can't believe uh, that, you know yeah, – make the top 10 for a legacy this early, but, um, and then even, there's other guys too. Maybe we haven't talked a lot about even a kid like Fabian Ross, who I believe plays. I think it's at Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas is a top 150 kid. He's talked to Michigan multiple times. He was just offered about a month and a half ago. uh, Another guy that is talking to them pretty frequently early on and a guy that, you know, too early with a kid like that. I think he's going to be a national recruit. Uh, But Uh, This is, you know, I remember when we did the cornerback 2021 episode, you know, the kind of the talk was it's sometimes it's one of the harder positions to kind of decipher the board, get a good idea of where things are at Uh, in 22. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be in it for multiple national recruits. And I know we kind of talked about one of the battles might be balancing how you finish 21 versus how you approach 22, depending on how many of these guys you think you can get. You know, and so I think that's going to be one of the interesting battles, but yeah, Damani Jackson, Michigan's got to be top three there, probably. Uh, Will Johnson, I mean, he explicitly gave you guys, you know, Michigan in a top five there, legacy recruit, still think that's going to end up being a bigger factor than you know, maybe it's played out early, early on. Uh, you know, and then you talk about Jaden Gould, who that's like, yeah, that's com- that's almost like committed talk. I mean, he, I think Bryce to you said. Want talking about visiting with Domani Jackson? Correct. I mean, that's yeah. that's you. That's not un, like uncommitted kids don't usually try to set up recruiting visits <laughs> with other uncommitted recruits. Let alone, it's like he already knows that Jackson's like probably one of their top guys on the board. How would you even know that unless you were like you know your interests would have to be extreme uh, to be reaching out to a kid like that in that situation? So yeah, I mean, it's 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 a position where I think I look at running back, cornerback are two positions that nationally are just are loaded in 22 and Michigan. I think particularly at corner, uh, off to a fantastic, at least have built the foundation there, uh, to make a run at, at multiple big time guys.
1: All right. So as we round out the football discussion, I think it's important to get a commitment from Bryce marriage to a showdown with Steve Lorenz. Now, Steve, you can't pick the course. We gotta let Bryce pick the course so he that's can fine. so he can have his, you know, maybe his home field advantage or his home course advantage. Do you have a particular course that you wanna you wanna have this battle with Steve on, Bryce?
3: You know, I got one in mind, but honestly, like I've been saying, <laughs> just pick one Steve. Oh, so you, you, you wanna let Steve pick the course. <laughs> I if that's if that'll help him, I'm not gonna need uh. it. So I'm just trying to You know, give them a handicap. Bryce, do you
1: you have your own clubs or you don't even need your own clubs? You could just borrow some clubs and win, huh?
3: Listen, I got a driver and a putter. That's the only (laughs) two clubs I need to use. Oh, boy. Yeah. Get up on the green, put it in. Boom.
2: Keep it moving. Keep it moving. That's funny.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Steve, what's your favorite course, man?
2: Favorite course. So, the Grand Valley has the course right here, right? Five minutes from my house. The Meadows is an awesome course so i went to augusta the masters obviously will never will never have the pleasure <laughs> of playing it uh but did get to feel like i was walking in a book for like six hours uh that day that was that was an amazing experience but uh there's so many I mean, we've played okay so well, many well
1: fav- favorite course to play here to in the play? state of, in, to, in the state of michigan
2: um yeah, it'd probably be the Meadows here in Allendale. That or there's a Lincoln Golf Club in Whitehall is like a course that's not the it's a good course, not the not like a five star type course, but it's probably one of my favorite courses to play. Okay.
3: So All
1: right. So you, you sure, Bryce, you you want to go to Steve's home course for this battle? You sure?
3: If that's what he wants. OK, All
1: right. we have it down. So, you know, once you say it on the podcast, it must be so. So it got to happen. You're gonna have people. I mean, you
3: you didn't make the Duncan Robinson thing happen, so let's see if you can make this happen. <laughs> I think Duncan
1: has some things to. He, he's otherwise <laughs> he's, occupied, right? He's hey, busy. Hey, he's busy a lot of guys been leaving
3: the bubble. A lot of guys have been leaving the bubble, so he can leave if he has to.
1: <laughs> All right, so we'll get this. Uh, we'll get this marked down, guys. A great job. Now it's time to switch gears and get over to some basketball recruiting. And now Josh Hinsky joins the fold as we get deep into. Some round ball recruiting. Uh, and Josh, when we left off last week, I don't think we left off talking about point guard recruiting in Angelo and Angelo Brizzy and Jay Nakins, but they certainly came up in last week's discussion. The part I do recall very distinctly is when talking about Angelo Brizzy. I said, hey, I think Villanova is out front. I think they're the clear front runner, the clear leader, uh, in that in order to unseat them, in order for any team, Uh, Michigan, of course, included, to jump Villanova. I think you got to get him on campus. You got to get a visit if he decides soon advantage Villanova. If he drags it out, leaves open the possibility, at least, of getting campuses for visits, then you start to talk about your chances of unseating Villanova at the top of his list. You start to talk about those chances being better. But sounds like as of late, my friend, Sounds like uh, Angelo Brizzy is moving toward a decision.
0: Yeah, yeah. looks like um, yeah, the decision can come any time now, you know, between, you know, tomorrow, next day, whatever. But, you know, it, I think, you know, he's coming close to the end of the recruitment, which is, you know, it took me a, a little by surprise because he's just been so, uh, I guess, nonchalant would be the right word in terms Great of, word. you know, where he is in terms of, top schools and all of that, which, you know, I, I think where things stand right now, he has a right to be considering, you know, the lack of being able to visit and, and AU ball and all that stuff. But yeah, I, I heard enough over the week and I know our, uh, our main national recruiting guys are pretty confident in terms of uh, Villanova being the school. And, um, you know, I really can't, can't blame the kid because Villanova is a solid program. Jay Wright
3: as a <laughs>
1: <laughs> you just said Villanova's <laughs> a two-time national champ they're solid
0: <laughs> solid solid yeah Jay Wright is a is a pretty good uh pretty good guy a uh, pretty good coach of, of molding point guards as well you know Jalen Brunson immediately comes to mind and you know that's the perfect tape to show yeah. hell hit, man so. Scotty
1: you go back to as far as Scotty Reynolds too. I know many Michigan fans will remember Michigan recruited yep. heavily back in the day so you're absolutely right I mean the, the thing outside of the the program's pedigree uh, to point to, and that I, I mentioned last week, is that they were first. Mm-hmm. They were the first big time school to offer him. So they're they're a, a two time national champ, and they were first to the punch to offer him. That's just awfully hard to beat. And I, I like you and hearing from multiple sources that. He is trending heavily toward Villanova. For those who don't know Angelo Brizzi, I guess I should have introduced him more formally. He's from Warrington, Virginia, Highland High School and uh, Michigan. uh, They certainly they were one of the earlier big timers to jump on him, but not as early as Villanova. So that leaves us talking about some other guys, Josh. And we spoke at length about Jaden Akins. And I think both you and I agree, as we talked about last week really liking Michigan State in that mix.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think um, I put my I put my crystal ball in for Michigan State. Oh, you did? So okay. I did, yeah, probably about uh, two weeks ago, right around the time when Kobe Bufkin was going to announce. Um, you know, I, I, I've heard pro-Michigan State talk for a long time, and I know our Brian Snow is, has said similar that, you know, he's also heard a lot of uh, Michigan State talk. So it just kind of led me to the fact that, you know, and plus Michigan state has got so many things working for them in terms of, you know, this recruitment, you know, Pierre Brooks, his teammate is, is committed and and recruiting him hard and not to mention that Michigan state's on an absolute tear right now uh, recruiting wise, not just in the uh, 2021 class. So, um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of things going in in Michigan state's favor in terms for Jaden Akins and, um, you know, I, and, and this is just a personal opinion. You know, I was always under the impression that Michigan between Kobe Buffkin and Jaden Akins, I was always convinced that it was going to be one or the other. It was never going to be a package deal. Um, you know, n- not to say that they play the same position or could do the same things in terms of playing styles and how that would mesh. It's just, it's just the way things go. Um, the, you know, like I mentioned, Akins has some so much pro-Michigan State momentum behind his recruitment, just from, you know, just reading tea leaves and 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 you know, looking at connections and things like that. And I didn't even mention that he's, you know, playing for a Money Bates uh prep, prep school as well. So um yeah, just a lot of things going there. And my dog wants to say hello at the perfect <laughs> time. <laughs> hey man, I've been there, I've been there
1: before, but I agree with you as far as your feeling of redundancy for those two kids with Kobe Bufkin and, and Jay Nakins, who are also their teammates. I mean, they are they all play on the same AAU team uh, with Pierre Brooks. So you, you do have the familiarity piece that is not unique to Michigan State. Michigan has that as well. But I just think that the feeling as I've dug deeper into this and talking to people, the feeling is that you know, especially as you look at Michigan with Kobe Bufkin and with Zeb Jackson in the mix, kind of feeling like, well, hey, we're all all kind of the same. All thought of as combo guards, uh, you know, his AAU coach. The AAU coach said, yeah, you got lefties, you know, you got all those lefties in there. He kind of mentioned that in the mix as well. So I do think that landing Kobe Bufkin. As I've gotten deeper into this, is is a factor in where Michigan sort of stands in the Jay Nakins recruitment. And that's that's obviously not to say anything about all of the the things that Michigan State has going for it anyway, right? You just, mm-hmm. what you laid out, you know, he plays with the Mighty Bates. He's played with Pierre Brooks. He's a long been a target for Michigan State basketball. So uh, a lot of reasons to feel like michigan state is is the favorite here uh but i do think that that position was boosted not necessarily by things that are going on at michigan state but certainly by what just went on with michigan and picking up kobe buffkin so maybe they would have been in this position anyway uh where they were were thought to be far and away the leader but i certainly feel that michigan getting kobe buffkin uh, is bringing more of a consensus in that regard. And I'm not just talking about with pundits. I'm talking about people behind the scenes and you know, talking to people with knowledge of that recruitment, saying, ah, yeah, you know, since Michigan got Kobe, little bit looking a little bit different with, uh, with Jay Nakins. All right, so, which brings us to the question, Josh, of what of point guard recruiting, if not Angelo Brizzy off the board, if not Jay Nakins, looking like uh Michigan State looking like uh even though Michigan made the cut for Jayden Akins, just doesn't feel like they are in as good a position in the aftermath of landing Kobe Bufkin what of point guard recruiting man
0: there there are still options out there and 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 I'm sure the board will inevitably I- expand as guys you know come and go off the board uh, Jalen Worley comes to mind immediately you know I think he'd probably be number one on that list regardless of of whether brizzy or akins was on there a a couple of guys also come to mind that haven't been offered that michigan are interested in uh frankie collins is a four-star plays for coronado coronado high school uh recently transferred there he included michigan in a top eight i believe recently but he never received an offer and there's another guy a four-star named Ty Tai Washington. He's out of Compass Prep, and I know I've, I've spoken to a couple of coaches there uh, who have said that you know Michigan is is extremely interested in in him, uh, but have yet to extend an offer. So I wouldn't be surprised if you know, as guys like Brizzy and Akins and come off the board and, and commit elsewhere, that you know the, the point guard position kind of expands a little bit. I know a lot of that has to kind of do with with Jalen Warley too and kind of how they feel about him yeah. um, extending offers and things like that. But I would not be surprised if some more offers were to come out sooner rather than later.
1: Yeah, so Jalen Warley, I, I think it's important to note. I'm sure people will say, hey, you know, he's a he's a combo guard. A lot of people see him as a shooting guard. I think my gut tells me that Michigan feels that he's more of a one than any of the combos that they've recruited or have been recruiting i I think that in his his basketball iq he is a guy that if you watch any of his highlights you talk to people that know his game he is a guy that can create for others and it's not a huge leap like in talking about zeb jackson by comparison it's going to take some time and growth when you talk about I'm, I'm talking about when you talk about his deference, when you talk about being a pass first guy, Zeb's a scoring guard that that has some point skills. so you're gonna have to grow him into more of a point guard. Uh, I think the perception of Jalen Worley is he's already he already has that mentality that you know the the deferential piece won't be as much of a leap for him. Uh, and then of course, we talked about the the outstanding connections that Michigan has had with Phil Martelli having coached his dad and his uncle. Uh, So those are huge, huge factors. The buzz that I'm hearing at this point is that it's Michigan and Virginia out front Mm -hmm. for him right now. Multiple people I talked to have said that if you're Michigan, I think you, uh, even though you just lost a battle to UVA, so they just lost out on Jabri Abdurrahim to UVA uh, in a battle that, you know, Michigan, it felt like, at least in the early going, uh, they had a... Uh, you know, a better shot at. But this one, I, I think that Michigan, the Phil Martelli feather in the cap, I kind of like Michigan's chances a little bit better there. I'll be linking back up with Jalen here in the coming days. But UVA, UVA is the team that most people that I talk to say they have to get over. And if they can get over UVA, they might come away with, with Jalen Worley in this battle but. You also have, you know, some other formidable competition. Louisville's in that mix. Uh, Maryland, Oregon is another team that he has among his, his finalists as well. Florida State, but UVA is the team that most people are, are talking about. So we'll see, we'll see if visits can take place. One of the things we talked about in the football portion, I want your opinion on this too, Josh. I just don't think that visits are going to be allowed in the fall. And so now, now in the absence of visits being allowed in the fall, and if a kid is going to make an early period decision, then what is it going to be based on? And this is why, you know, in, in the battle between these two teams, I kind of like Michigan. I mean, you, you at least have on Michigan side dad and uncle and even Jalen who said that Phil Martelli has known me since I was a baby. If you can't visit these schools and get the academic tour and be around the team and get all of that personal feel like you would on a visit then you got to you got to go with you know what you know by extension through these virtual tours and then do you know do you have any other kind of connection to that school or to those coaches he has that with Michigan
0: Yeah you know to go back uh, a little bit I I don't think you know, visits are going to be allowed. I think it'd be incredibly foolish for the NCAA to allow on-campus visits during the fall. But, you know, we've seen the NCAA do its fair share of foolish things in the past. So, um, yeah, but obviously universities are going to have to be smart about it if that's going to be allowed. But, yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of people ask about Virginia. I personally haven't heard that much scoop in terms of you know Virginia being the team as some people have I've seen suggest but I think Michigan is 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 right there you know Jalen Worley is is probably recruit 1A on that on their big board uh for the 2021 class and I think you know a lot of questions will be answered in terms of the point guard position if if he ends up being the guy
1: yeah I think he's uh, he also happens to be the guy Uh, of these big timers these five stars top 30 guys that they're in on in the 2021 class he's the guy that i think they have the best shot at they're in the best shape with um you know i I do think they're in good position uh with a couple of the bigs i think they're in good position with charles Bediaco. i think they're one of the top few i know he only cut he cut his list down to what eight or ten i can't remember what it was that he cut it down to but uh, there are a few in that mix that are above the rest even. And his AAU coach kind of talked about that. Uh, and I think that Michigan is one of those top few uh, in that mix. I think they're one of the top few for Efton Reed, uh, for instance. So um, Harrison Ingram, who we just talked about, who, you know, I talked about getting him on campus. And the and the thing that I didn't realize with Harrison Ingram camped at Michigan completely flew under my radar uh in that regard. but that was back when yak was here i know yak was recruiting him mm-hmm. but flew under my radar that he had actually uh camped. so he at least has some familiarity uh with the with the campus already yeah and uh and i told you last week i had heard that michigan is really really trending up uh with that young man so we'll have yeah, more on- i
0: mean he's announcing his top Six their final six schools August first as well. So expect yeah.
1: Michigan to make that cut. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Fully expect Michigan to be on that list.
1: Yep, yep. So that'll be one to, one to be on the lookout for. They're in good shape with him, as we talked about before. Well, I tell you what, and, and so this is an interesting thing. You mentioned uh, Frankie Collins. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I think you you got to leave open the possibility of happening is if you know Angelo Brizzy goes to Villanova like we think. If things with Jaden Aikens – are trending Michigan State's way for a variety of reasons. And if, unfortunately, they were to lose out to Virginia or another school on Jalen Worley, rather than move down their point guard board, so to speak, I mean, think about how the transfer portal is working these days.
0: Yeah, that's true. You
1: know, you could you could put yourself in a position to just sit tight because you you have some... You have some combo talent on the roster and go get you a a point guard with experience that can play, be ready to play right away. That's going to be available on the transfer market even more so next year because that rule that they kicked the can down the road because of the pandemic where immediate eligibility, not just for grad transfers, but your first transfer, boom, you can play right away. That rule should be in effect heading into the 2022 season, excuse me, the 21-22 season. So not this coming season, not the 2021 season, but the 21-22 season. That rule should be in effect. So you will be able to go out and get you a point guard that, boom, that has played at the high major level already, or at least played college basketball already. So, I, you know, I think that that's part of the the, the thought calculus too. Mm-hmm. Is that hey, you know, if we happen to not get any of these guys at the top of the board, most notably Jalen Worley, then do you go down the board or do you just sit tight and hold a hold a spot for a point guard where you can go get one off the transfer wire.
0: Yeah, I think that's a that's a very interesting situation and, and you know, I think you've kind of you saw Michigan do this a little bit, you know, with the addition of Chaunde Brown and in, in Mike Smith kind of these, uh, I guess, stop gaps in a way that, that are sta- established guys that can kind of give you experience and, and give you some minutes that, you know, where they've, they've seen, you know, the floor. So um, yeah, I mean, that, that, that could, you know, at least to me, it sounds like a realistic option that they could explore uh, just because they kind of have the, uh, the good fortunes of, of being, able to conduct a a large class and and kind of determining whether they want to put away scholarships for experienced guys or do they want to bring in you know you know guys that they can mold themselves you know from from year one onwards Mm
1: -hmm. absolutely all right so speaking of uh, being in a good position uh, you missed this, but if you look at Steve Lorenz, he is in a good position when when talking about challenging Bryce's marriage to a mini golf tournament. You would think. I mean, <laughs> Steve, Steve is a is an established golfer, yep. but Bryce said, "Hey, he's the he's the mini Phil Mickelson." Oh, uh, he said <laughs> he said that he hope he's willing to go to Steve's home course, uh, and he said he. I said, "Bryce, do you have your own clubs?" He said, "I got a driver and a putter." I get it done with just those two. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm curious, Josh. I mean, uh, we're putting together this foursome. I'm really just gonna drive the cart. I don't know if you golf at all, no. But <laughs> but, but you're free to be a part of this foursome, and we can just watch.
0: That's fine. I I will I will raid the beer cart and just hang out on the on the golf cart with you. That's totally fine. While while you know. Big mouth marriage over there can get his (laughs) butt whooped by Steve. He
1: was he was a little upset that I wasn't able to get the three point shooting contest lined up with Duncan Robinson. I guess he didn't know that Duncan was kinda busy at the moment. Yeah. You know, kinda has some some games to play, right? So this this will have to do. I setting this one up will have to suffice for Bryce.
0: Bryce Bryce reminds me of someone. That I I can't think of it right now. I'll, I'll I'll think of it for the next podcast. But it reminds me of someone who's just like an athlete that just loves to run his mouth. And <laughs> like Mike Tyson, like a Matt Barnes.
1: Yeah, Mike Mike <laughs> Tyson used to say, "Everybody has a plan until they get hit." Right. Exactly. So we'll we'll exactly. see we'll see when he gets on the golf course uh, <laughs> and see what happens as as you know Steve is dropping them left and right, dropping them on a the green, right down right. the fairway. We'll see what how bryce reacts to that but we appreciate the way that you guys are all reacting to this podcast it has been fantastic please continue to subscribe uh you know those of you who haven't be sure to rate and review the podcast and uh we're going on a brief hiatus we won't be on the podcast next week as i have a mini vacation uh coming to me so uh you know hopefully absence will make the heart grow fonder. You'll be back with us here on the Michigan Recruiting Insider in two weeks. But in the meantime, Josh, great job, my man.
0: As always.
1: And we will see the rest of you on the Michigan Recruiting Insider.